Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in to Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. He played 10 years in the NFL. I covered it for five. Now host a daily radio show you can listen to three to six every single day on the team 980 all right logan uh we got lots of news to talk about yep. and we kind of have uh the emptying of the notebook if you will this is always one of my favorite things to do when i was on the beat and i was out i was out reporting and then i'd uh come back and host a weekend show or you know host overtime over on the fan uh and and just kind of empty the notebook things i said and and we both have the the notebooks to empty from the combine talk a little bit more about the quarterback position some of the edge guys tight ends linebackers etc but let's start off with the big news yesterday lamar jackson gets the non-exclusive tag which i find fascinating um i actually really like this move from baltimore's perspective but then perhaps the more fascinating part of it is immediately like five, six teams, all the teams you'd expect to be in on Lamar Jackson say, hey, no, we're out on Lamar Jackson. What'd you yeah. make of the of the decision by Baltimore <clears throat> and then teams like Atlanta, Carolina being like, yeah, we're actually we're actually good on that. I mean, I'm not surprised really at all. I mean, I think maybe the most surprising one would be Atlanta, but I think just the contract structure is kind of wild at the moment. And I also think the fact that uh, your boy Anthony Richardson did a good job at the combine and and all that stuff is going to be significant here. Like if this was a down year for quarterback, I think his market value would be significantly higher. But right now it looks like, you know, uh, Stroud, um, Young, Richardson, Levis are guys that all those teams you you mentioned, Carolina, Atlanta, will have a shot at one of them. And um, and so I think that's that's definitely playing a factor in here. I'm not saying that they're kind of putting all their eggs in that basket because I don't think Lamar around the league has the value that he does in Baltimore. So what I mean by that is I think Lamar is an excellent football player, but I think when you say I have to guarantee a contract to a quarterback who's been who's had health concerns over the last couple of years because of his play style and because of what makes him elite and great. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to be very leery of that. And so I think that's why you're seeing kind of everyone say, you know what, the price tag is a little bit too high for us. And, you know, we're going to go in a different direction with, with the quarterback spot. And I also think Atlanta, for example, like they are in a perfect spot. They're like right mid rebuild. They can probably survive with Desmond Ritter if they wanted to in that offense and, you know, wait to find the next great quarterback. I think that other thing that's important to kind of consider for some of these teams is that Caleb Williams is going to be available next year. And by all accounts, from all the stuff I've been reading, he's 
the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks. I've heard that comparison multiple times. So if that chip is on the table, you might say, hey, we'll stand pat and, you know, make our play next year for the generational, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck type of quarterback. So um, I think I think there's a lot of reasons why I'm not surprised by it. I think the the one at the top of the list, though, is Lamar's injury history and the fact that he wants the contract to be guaranteed and the fact you have to give up so much draft capital to firsts to get him out of there and guarantee a contract. I think that I think people need to understand that is a very steep asking price. It is. Um, the guarantees are obviously a big deal, but like, let's not forget what Denver gave up, for instance, for Russell Wilson last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Which is they gave up more. And like the price, two firsts for Lamar Jackson is not that much. It's the guaranteed um, contract. Right. And that's going to be the question now is now that Lamar has a little bit different of a market, right? He's going to have to take the best offer available, you would think. I mean, I guess there's a situation where he's like, I'll play out on this tag. That seems so incredibly stupid because he could get way more this year on a deal that's guaranteed for basically three years. The problem is he wants five guaranteed years. And I think that's an important distinction, right? Like people are like, oh, Kirk messed up the quarterback market. I got a comment like that yesterday. And it's like Kirk didn't really change the quarterback market that much. Kirk's deal, the one first one he signed in Minnesota, was three years fully guaranteed. You want to know who else got three years fully guaranteed? Most other quarterbacks. Yeah. The difference is most quarterbacks also have a fourth and fifth year that are essentially team options because the teams are basically saying, hey, this is football. Guys get hurt. Things change quickly. We want to have control in exchange for giving you all of this guaranteed money. And in Lamar's case, if he were to get a market value deal – basically $200 million of guaranteed money. We want control over those last couple of years. You don't get to go out again in three years and, and, and hold us over the fire again. That's, that's the trade-off. That's how these contracts always work, but it's mm -hmm. three years of fully guaranteed money, which is why I've said Baltimore should always have gone seeing if they could meet in the middle. And this is what I would do if I was a team interested in Lamar is like, I'd try to go for four. I would try to say like, all right, we'll give you one extra year of guarantees. We're not going the full five, no way, no how, but we're considering how good you are. We'll go four, like four years, 200 million straight on the dot and see what you can do with that number. Um, is the team going to go there? Probably not, but we'll see. I, I do think it's worth pointing out like Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks in football and that seems to be getting almost lost in some of this. Mm -hmm. I understand why, um, because I also am someone who said, I don't think that I would have given Lamar. I certainly wouldn't give Lamar the contract he wants. Right. Um, but it is to me pretty stunning in a pretty bad NFC that a lot of these teams are out. And by the way, I kind of think that includes Washington. Like for sure. It includes it, Washington. It's, it, it is kind of bizarre that in Ron Rivera's we need to win right now situation that a league MVP caliber quarterback is available. Granted, it was 2019. It was a long time ago and he actually won it. But like his first couple of games last year, his first like quarter of the season last year was awesome. And Baltimore was right there with everybody else in the AFC, which is saying something because it was the AFC. But in a win now situation in the NFC, which I cannot say this strongly enough, is not very good. The quarterback play specifically in this conference is bad. Mm -hmm. Derek Carr might have just signed with the Saints and become the second best quarterback in the conference. Sure. He's, he's certainly top five. And he wasn't in, in the Raiders were like good ridden. See ya. He was the fourth best quarterback in his own division last year. And he's going to be the fifth best quarterback in the conference at worst. 
that Washington is not pursuing Lamar. I'm not saying I don't get it. I'm not saying it's inherently the wrong decision, but to see how dramatically they've swung from we we are willing to give up a lot for Carson Wentz to we're not touching Lamar Jackson is kind of bananas. Well, I also think I think it's important to remember the context here a little bit. You know, like Carson Wentz was a third round trade, right? Trading a third round pick and twenty eight million dollars. The price mm-hmm. tag on this is drastically different. And but he's uh, Lamar Jackson, and so, he was Carson Wentz. So so I'm going to say this. As much as you want to say Lamar is the MVP caliber player that he was in 2019, there's been a kind of a steady decline in his passing proficiency. And I think that's something that gets teams nervous. Combine that with his injury history. Combine that with the recent history of, you know, um, of the quarterback in Denver. Um, gosh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Like yeah. that decline of his career kind of, I know it's happening at different times, but he's coming into a kind of a declining period. You kind of say, is it worth the risk? So I think there's a little bit of buyer beware based on recent history. I think his um, his play, his play style, the type of offense you're going to need to put in. I think the per- that perception of what you need to do for him is probably pretty dramatic. Um, it's You can't run the offense that you brought Eric Bieniemy in to run if you bring him in. He's going to have to tailor an offense to Lamar, which is fine. And I also think it's um, it's tough negotiating with someone who's their own agent. I think that's a tough negotiation, period. There's no doubt that is having a huge, huge, huge effect on this process. And then I also think the fact that I really, you know, everyone mentions Kirk Cousins. I think the, the contract you look at and I think the contract Lamar is looking at is Deshaun Watson's contract. And yes. that contract really screwed everything up. And when you when if I'm if I'm Lamar, I look at Deshaun's contract and I say, I have played better than him because I've actually played football the last two years, I've been more successful. I've been more impactful. And that's what he got. I, at a minimum, deserve that. So as much as people want to say that it's Kirk, it's really the Deshaun Watson contract, I think, that is more impactful on this and is the one-to-one. So um, I don't know. To me, it's free free agent quarterbacks are tough, period, right? Because like as we've seen in Washington, it's not... You get the same guy that was it with the last team, right? There's a learning process. There's a how do you coach the guy? There's it just there's usually in my experience just being around the NFL, there's a little bit of a drop off, you know, because they're getting used to new things. One of the things that makes them great, Tom Brady, you know, even the Aaron Rodgers thing, is that they've built up this great chemistry with the team there, and now they've got to reestablish that, and that that can take some time. Look at Tom Brady when when he went to Tampa Bay, how long it took him to kind of turn that ship around, and they won the Super Bowl, so it worked out, but I also think that Tom Brady is an outlier, and he's he's the exception rather than the rule, and so I think you're bringing Lamar in, and I know he's an excellent football player, but there's a lot of risk associated with this, especially at the value that they have assigned to this. Two first-round picks and $200 million guaranteed. It's the guaranteed money. If that, if if there, if the wording on the, if the first two years were guaranteed and the last two, like you were talking about, I think that's, I think people will be more interested. But the two hundred million, where a guy who gets hurt a lot, and you have to build an offense around him, it's it's just, it's not worth the squeeze in my opinion. I think that's what you're seeing here from these teams. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. By the way, Brady did win the Super Bowl in the first year, but as you said, he's an, he's an no, outlier. No, but it, but it um, took. But I say like it took. You know, like the beginning of that season was a sluggish sure. start because he's like getting used. Sure, to but if you can turn it around by the end of the of yeah, year one, but also right. he's Tom Brady. Yes. You know, he's coming in doing stuff that nobody else does. Um, just just so you know, kind of avoiding people in the comments being like, yeah. uh, "What do you mean it took a long time? They won the Super Bowl in the first year. You can't win it any sooner." Um, right. But like. I hear you on on all that stuff. I just think the the narrative is swung so widely the other direction that it's it is kind of crazy to me. Someone should take a swing at him. Um, I don't think you have to. And here's the other thing: I don't think you like he can want the Deshaun Watson contract all he wants. He's not getting it, and neither is anybody else. Joe Burrow is not getting Deshaun Watson's contract because Deshaun Watson should have never gotten his contract. And if the Browns want to do something dumb, fine, let the Browns be morons. And and you know. But it is what it is. It's the same thing with the DeAndre Hopkins thing. It like reset the receiver market and like all these receiver right. contracts got overvalued for a couple of years because everyone was like, we got to match. We got to get close to matching uh, Hopkins contract. And like, that's just how it goes. And it's so like, that was the, con- that was the big contract from last year, right? That was last year that they did that. So it's not like yeah. this was three years ago and people. Sure. Can but but if I'm, if I'm another team, I'm going like, we're not, we would have never given him that no one else would have we're not doing it like just that's not on the table and unless someone is willing to go there which with lamar it seems like nobody's going willing to do it then lamar lamar can't create that contract out of thin air like it, it's at the end of the day a negotiation well also, and he's gonna yeah. have to take the best possible offer and i don't think the best possible offer is gonna be like it's gonna look a lot more like kyler murray's contract than it is uh Deshaun Watson's and Lamar's going to have to decide if that's good enough. And I think Lamar, I mean, Lamar's cost himself money because if he had just signed a monster deal after last year in a more traditional sense, um, I think he's, he's probably in a much better place now, but like you said, there's not an agent there. And I, I I did this uh, longer on the show yesterday, so I'm not going to repeat myself in full here, but like not only is the conversation or the conversation between the team and Lamar tricky, Lamar doesn't have a sense of his market. An agent would. And so yeah. Lamar's probably thinking, if I can just get to this even restricted free agency, I'm going to get a monster deal. And an agent might have been able to tell him, like, nah, man, it's not going to get any better. Right. Like, it, it teams are not going to give up to first and pay you what you want. It's not happening. Sign the deal. This is as good as you're going to get. And I, and I think that Lamar has cost himself a lot of money in that way. No, I agree. I think I think that's one of the reasons like everyone says I don't need to pay an agent. I don't need an agent. But it, it's helpful because you're not an expert in contract negotiations. You're not an expert in legal language. You're not an expert in contract precedent from around the league. You don't have the relationships with the coaches. And one of the things that I think is important to note is that coaches can be more coaches, GMs, contract negotiators for the team can be a little bit more candid with an agent as opposed to a player. Right. They right. kind of got to sugarcoat it because you still want the relationship to be good. The agent is a good buffer for that stuff. Like, oh, you know, like I remember having con- like my agent telling me, like, you know, they're not that high on you because of X, Y, Z. He's not telling me exactly what they said because it's probably like we think Logan sucks and that's going to make me really upset. But he kind of he right. sugarcoats the whole thing and it's like it makes it keeps the relationship more amicable. You don't have that person in the contract, right? You don't have the person that helps that kind of lubricates the communication. You don't have, you don't have the person that says, Hey, Lamar, bro. Like I've talked to five teams around the NFL, talked to 10 teams around the NFL. It's not there right now. Like what Baltimore's offering you is the best case scenario. And so 
that it's just going to make this whole process a little bit more gummy. I think he should have hired an agent for this. Um, you know, even it, it's just helpful when you're dealing with numbers like yes. this, when you're dealing with multi-billion dollar organizations, like you are not equipped. I don't care how smart you are to deal with that. If I'm like, for me, I could have done it myself because I'm signing a, a veteran minimum contract. It's literally like a boiler Templar plate. Just they print it out of the computer. It's in a freaking doc titled veteran minimum. It just comes out. It's the same language everywhere you go. Right. That's easy. Right. Just review it. Make sure the language is what I want. Sign it. Bam. Right. You didn't, you didn't need to pay Steve his percent. Correct. Right. Steve did a great job of getting me with teams that were interested. So that's why I pay Steve his percent. But for him, there's, there's going to, this contract's going to be nuts, right? It's going to be nuts to read, guaranteed language, wording, all that kind of stuff. And he's going to have to deal with all that. And I just think it's, I think that's a short sight, short sighted uh, approach by him to kind of say, I need that 3% because it's going to make me more financially solvent or whatever. But really, right. this is an investment in making sure this is the best contract for you. Well, not only that, you have the ability to go back at the team a little bit. Like if yeah. Lamar's like, well, you guys, the reason I haven't done XYZ is because you didn't do ABC. Well, now, now you got two direct sides sniping at each yeah. other versus the agent being like, well, if you draft a bleeping receiver every once in a yeah. while, like give us, give our guys some help, not trade away as number one receiver, then maybe he would have produced a little bit more in the passing game. Like you can't, you can't do that. If you're Lamar, it sounds like sour grapes. If you're his agent, like that's literally your job. There's yeah. an expectation thing to there. be like um, a sniper, like to be like a, just taking shots. And that's what, yeah, like, totally. I love my agent. Like he's the best. And that's what he's really good at is like, he builds, he cultivates a, like a research packet, even for me, he cultivates a research packet, statistics, analysis, you know, opportunities, all that kind of thing. And he presents that to the team. So you have a better point of negotiation as opposed to just saying, I'm not sure Lamar's doing this, but I would assume just knowing players who've negotiated their contracts in the past, like I want to be paid the same as person, but the situation's completely different. And you don't have the, the, the thousand foot view to kind of fully understand that in your position as a professional athlete, you're not a professional agent. Right. Totally. Uh, other news from yesterday, Daniel Jones gets, uh, Four years, one sixty is the the headline. Um, Eighty two million in guarantees. Uh, it's kind of a two year deal uh, with obviously options to go in years three and four. Uh, and then Saquon gets the tag right after that from the Giants. Uh, what did you make of the move for New York and and how it sets them up against the Commanders in the division? So I think like obviously they were going to make a big effort to resign them. I think the contract, though, just looking at it real quick, seems to be the right type of fit for what they wanted. Cause if you look at the guaranteed money over the four years, um, it's really like 20 million a year, which is, and obviously there's some incentives in there. I'm sure that kind of bump up that number, but that's an excellent number for, for them. I think, you know, and obviously you see the 160, but the team doesn't look at it that way. I don't think like those back end numbers, that's funny money. They can renegotiate. They can push that out. They can shift some to guarantees. Like that gives them some cap flexibility like you were discussing. But I think, it seems based on the guaranteed money, like a, a good deal for them. And it gives them some flexibility with the roster to bring new people. in. I think it gives them also some flexibility to kind of say, you know, we think that, um, you know, we know you did well for us last year, but we also understand that you're not, you're not a market setting quarterback. So again, I think that's all kind of the right thing. Did they overpay? Maybe. But I think when you're, when you had to extend a guy, like this is probably best case scenario for both sides. And, like I said, the money's the, the guaranteed money isn't exorbitant, so it allows you to do some roster building stuff, which that team needs to do. 
Yeah. I, I think Daniel Jones's best days are ahead too. Yeah. Like, I agree. You watch the growth he makes last year under Dable and you're like, well, probably, probably do that again. Right. Uh, not necessarily make a gigantic leap times two, but he's going to continue to get better. They understand how to use him. They understand what they want to do with him. And they're They, they did it last year with, um, some guys that probably were better than we initially thought in terms of skill positions, mm -hmm. um, some of the receivers, et cetera, but also they didn't really invest in, in those skill position guys. So what happens when they do, uh, and obviously getting, keeping Saquon around is, is huge for them. And as they continue to develop him and diversify his, what, how they use him to try to keep him healthy over a long term, you know, getting him out of the backfield a little bit more, uh, things like that. So there's, there's a lot of, I think positive here for New York. And like you said, also the way the contract is structured, they're able to keep the number down from what I understand that we don't have all the details yet, right. but it sounds like it's going to be closer to like 25, I think in the first year, yeah. um, there's 25 guaranteed at signing. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to translate um, into the final cap hit for the first year, but like they don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, if they pay him 40, they're not going to pay him 40. They'll bump a bunch of that to the second year. Um, some of that'll be dead monies and you, dead money in years three or four if he doesn't get there but he probably you, you have to imagine would be around but i also think like the alternative what's the alternative is right. you start over and yeah. that's that's just not tenable for what new york has what they do it, it's just not the smart move for them at this time so um i in a in a division in a in a conference where there's just not a lot of good quarterback play and you know there's a lot of opportunities dallas might be worse this year depending on what happens with some of their guys. Uh, Philly's definitely going to be worse. They're still probably the best team in the conference, and certainly that they've got the best quarterback in the conference. But like they're going to lose James Bradbury. They're going to lose Brandon Graham. They're going to lose some of these really key guys uh, to their success. They're going to lose one of their offensive linemen. How do they ultimately compete if you're in New York? Like You make some, some nice incremental progress, try to ride the continuity train, and while everyone else is getting a little bit worse, you get a little bit better. Mm. And, and I think that New York sets up to – be fighting for a playoff spot again and, and potentially dangerous when they get there. Sure. No, I agree. I think, I think they had to do this. I think the, the day ball edition uh, spoke very well to what Daniel Jones does. They were able to elevate him, especially Kafka. I think he deserves a lot of credit as well. And so they're not making this decision in a vacuum. I think they're with him every day. They know what he can do. They know his potential upside. And like you said, like they, they need a quarterback. And I, what did, uh, what was Derek Carr signing? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, his was 150 total. Let me see if I can pull the yeah. actual, but um, so I guess what I'm saying is just like, it, it seems like the right thing. A young quarterback knows your system competitive, had an excellent year last year. Seems like the right move, you know, kind of a piece to build around, especially in a, in, in a division, in a conference that isn't very quarterback heavy. So. Yeah. Uh, car four for 150. So Jones winds up getting more, um, it's crazy. The base salary uh in year one is just seven point two or sorry, the cap hit is seven point two, uh one point five base, and then the signing bonus of, of five point seven uh prorated. Uh so it's it's like a twenty it's a it's a thirty-five million dollar uh signing bonus or sorry, twenty-eight five signing bonus um that gets prorated out over the five years of the deal. Um uh, but it's this cards is essentially a three year deal, um hundred million they could get out for like 11, 11.4 in dead cap uh, after 2025 if they want to. So I'm assuming Jones looks very similar. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, cars was five total. Jones is four. So maybe that that out point will be like I'd imagine his cap hit next year is going to be astronomical. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. 
we'll see how it uh it goes. Uh, but the other thing too is like the cap's gonna jump. Yeah. And so no, you know the caps the cap's gonna jump over the course of that contract. And and I think this is the important thing to remember with Jones, with Lamar, with Carr, with all these guys to kind of wrap up what we're doing here. In two to five years, there's gonna be a quarterback making sixty a year. Like we got some guys making fifty, and you know by the time. I, my guess is it's Lawrence is the guy who winds up crossing that threshold. Mm. Um, Trevor Lawrence in three years when he signs his extension or two years when he signs his extension uh, is going to be a $60 million a year quarterback. Mm. And at that point, if Daniel Jones is 40, that seems about right. Mm. Like it, we just, we have to adjust our brains to what the new numbers are. Mm -hmm. And this happens in every sport. You know, it happens in Major League Baseball. We were like, that's some random right fielder. Why is he making 20 million a year? Or, you know, in the NBA, what used to be an $18 million player was like one of the better players in the league. Now it's mm -hmm. like a seventh man. Yeah. Um, you know, and the same is true for positions across the NFL where, you know, when, when Kirk was negotiating on the franchise tag stuff in 2016, it was like $18 million was the tag. Now mm -hmm. the tag for Lamar, if they wanted to do the exclusive, was 45. Like, it's just a different price tag, and we have to adjust our brains on, like, what is a $40 million quarterback? The answer is Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of crazy. And I think we also struggled with that with Derek or with Carson last year. Like, what is a $28 million quarterback? It's so what Carson Wentz should have been. But, yeah. uh, you know, but, I'm, but I mean, I think, was like, again, that's one of the reasons not. I go back to, like, why I said the process is good, and I still agree with that. Like, you got a quarterback in here who was starter potential at a price point that's $12 sure. million dollars lower than a starter. It's that you're right. We need to adjust our perspective. And I think um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving the commanders too much credit, but maybe they were like a year ahead on some of this stuff. Seems. Yeah. They just, possible. Messed, they picked the wrong guy. The evaluation yeah. was off. And by the way, they didn't, they didn't do the things they needed to do to support him. They yeah. often the schematically, they did not do what they needed to do to give him a, snowball's chance in hell of at success right. uh, if there was one to be had in the first place with where kind of he is at this point in his career.